0: Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. everybody welcome back to sunday night teacher talk take two and take two because the because we have this different background because we are doing this because we are in the we're at the the last night of the back to school boot camp which started on Friday Thursday Friday. Thursday Friday Saturday oh, Sunday yeah, oh yeah. Gosh. so started on Thursday So we've been ripping through, supposed to be 45 minutes a night. Mm -hmm. I'm keeping these folks on for like an hour plus every night. And then we do Q&A if you're in the VIP. So rather than switch everything around, uh, we've just decided for our own sanity. Because as soon as we're done this around five, at seven, we go on for that. And that that thing runs till about nine o'clock at night. So um, so we got to keep it in one. So look. Just before we get started, right? I think that it's so funny to me sometimes folks will find me on Instagram and they're like, oh, you have Instagram? Or wait, I didn't realize how many videos you have out. I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but we have, I think this is our 599th video <gasps> we will have on YouTube.
1: I know we were getting close.
0: YouTube. We have almost 600 videos, which averages out to about. 100 videos a year that we've created for mm-hmm. educators, except for that one video that I made about how to make a concrete pot because <laughs> it was my first experiment video and I'm never taking it down. It's also in our top 10 ranking videos of all time. But we're trying to create space here for teachers to become the teachers that they always wanted to be. And so whether that is through our Facebook group, so if you go on the Facebook to Real Wrap with Reynolds Teacher Talk, whether that is okay. you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's really funny. Whether it's the website that we are hidden behind, whether it's um, teacher class off radio, which is our podcast, and that's going to come out with all kinds of new stuff this year, whether it is my book, um, whether it's the boot camp, whether it's like social media, it's what w- the thing is, how much can we share to help folks that that need it. And so tonight is about both of us. It's about us sharing maybe some of the things that we know about the classroom, but also when you're in the comments, you're not just in the comments. You'll see it every week. There's people in there helping other folks out. There are people that are connecting out there. Hopefully one day there's going to be people that are getting married out there and I want to officiate your wedding and I just make it weird. Yes, but I love this idea. And so this is where we're, this is where we're going with. Um, so if you have a question tonight, just put a Q or the word question before it just helps it. Uh, my wife like figure that out when She's going through it. And with that,
1: ready to start? Let's I have a question. It. Mallory is up first. Um, and she is asking, feels like every year the first week back gets harder and more exhausting. I went to bed at 7:30 almost every night last week. What things do you do to keep your energy level levels up through the school year after being off a whole summer?
0: So I think one, I like to um I like to manage my expectations. Right. So part of it is, um, look, yeah, look how horrible that looks. Yeah. Just I gotta, don't know why. I don't know what's up with that. Sorry. Too Sorry. Different. This looks like we're on VHS right now, but
1: I'm on mean, the same cameras.
0: Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out later. Cause Mallory Garrett's question is more important than
1: okay. Go than that
0: us. right now. So, um, looks good on yours. looks terrible. On mine. Anyway, Mallory, I think part of it is managing my expectations. It's knowing that I'm going to be tired. I wouldn't run a marathon and then, the next day, figure out like, I'm going to go do, take my kids out to Disney world, or like, we're all going to stay up late and watch a movie. Right. So, and teachings like that, you've been running casual runs all summer. You know, you still have to get up. You still have things to do. You have a little one. Um, at least in one picture, you might have many little ones. I'm not really sure, but you are, you're still going for, you're still doing laundry and cleaning the house and all the things. But when you run a marathon, you have to be ready and planned for that week. So one of the things that we do is, I know when I started teaching, we would plan um mini fun after school. So like we used to do this, I don't know if you remember this, every year after I got done teaching on my first day, we would go grab dinner at this place that made these oh. chicken Parmesan sandwiches. And chicken Parmesan sandwiches from South Philly are all world, and they were like, they would put you into a food coma. So I knew that I was gonna fall asleep by, by six o'clock, seven o'clock every night. And I just, I planned for it. I came home at a regular time. I lived this exciting few days in school. And then at night I would come home and have this dinner and have a plan. And then I knew that that Saturday and Sunday I didn't want to do anything. So that was like in the beginning of the year it was managing expectations and planning, not for the worst, but for reality. The other things that I do to kind of like keep my energy up during the year is, I mean, there's a lot to that. And we're actually, this is what part of what we're talking about in the boot camp tonight. Um, but like a snippet of that is, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one that I don't talk about very often. Last year, I went and got um, a full blood work done, like more blood work than I've ever had done in my life. So if you go to like, like a regular doctor and he has to get blood work done. They take like, I don't know, what do they take? A vial of blood, something like that. Maybe
1: two, three. Yeah. What did we get done last year? 15. 15 vials of of blood.
0: I thought this man was low key a vampire. I wasn't really sure. So we got this full extensive workup done, found all these deficiencies. And then I was giving myself like vitamin B shots during the week. I was seriously deficient on vitamin D, which has a lot to do with your energy levels. And so just even going to the doctor and kind of getting a medical checkup and finding out, like, are there places that I like my biomechanics are not where they're supposed to be? And then that wins. The other thing I switched last year, I, when I when I was in my 20s, I had this belief that you only need four hours of sleep a night. And maybe that's true, because I'm pretty sure I didn't sleep very much more than that in my 20s, at least now that I'm 46. I need a solid seven, seven and a half hours a night, sometimes eight, or I cannot function on all cylinders. So it is, and what I found out was, I heard someone explain it this way, when when you need that, but you're staying up too late, you're letting today steal from tomorrow. And so just those two things alone shifted things. Now, the other two really quick things I do is I have a very strict morning routine, which I'm... Uh, we were just talking about today, I need to make a new video because my old morning routine video is not even remotely what I do anymore. It's I have a very strict morning routine that's going to set me up for success during my day. And then I try to eat well, at least three quarters of my day. Um, do I Look, I'm from Philly. Like, do I eat a tasty cake at night or some ice cream or whatever else other junk food? Yes, I do. But the beginning of the th- first three quarters of my day is like so- pretty solid clean eating, especially when I'm teaching because I don't have, there's no snacks around. I only keep healthy stuff in my classroom. And so those, those few things have a drastic effect on my, my mental health, my physical health and my emotional health. And that's what helps me to like be on fire throughout the year when other people are just burning down around me.
1: All right. Uh, Jennifer is up next.
0: Extremely uncomfortable. I got
1: Well, why don't you move my way?
0: We are. This is a this is a curious new. We really need position.
1: to do. Oh, I need to fix this.
0: Yeah, I can um, help you with that.
1: We really need to do a video tour of like where this whole room that we're in, because I think y'all would have no clue what it actually looks like. Is it, it is a shoebox. Like,
0: you it like this? Oh,
1: <laughs> it looks so different on camera. Like it, was,
0: it looks so spacious.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a thing. No, it's if there a was a thing. fire,
0: rate, no, we'd have a problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all of this would fall <laughs> as we just push it all out of the way. <laughs> they're, they're getting Next around. question. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Jennifer is up next asking, is it okay to take uh, a less challenging teaching assignment this year? I am feeling slightly guilty because I'm skilled in another subject.
0: Oh, yes. So here's the thing, Jennifer. Um, I think too many teachers sign up for too many things. And so be mindful of that. Don't sign up for more than your capacity. So even if you all are not in Jennifer's situation, you can remember that. I, I like to think of it like this. Wait, if there's this a second, is, there's a second part, oh, please go ahead. Um,
1: my bad. I just saw it uh, saying, I don't know whether I need to, rem- um, was right. Same. That's the same. Uh, I don't know whether I need to remind them they need someone in the other subject as well. It's my wheelhouse and I'm good at the easier one too. We will see.
0: Okay. So, I mean, still, it's still my same answer. Um, So I'm going to say it like, let me see. Let's see. Let's see if this metaphor, if this little example works, I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm just making it up as I go along. Um, but I have random crap around me. So we, uh, Let's say this is your day. This is everything that is that could be done, right? But this AirPod case is your capacity. So no matter where you move it, something's going to get... So if this side is your... Let's say it's your family. All your stuff is on here. Your family, your school, all that stuff. If you have your... This is a terrible idea. What, what, what I'm saying here is that you only have so much capacity. Now, if you want to teach five classes great and if it's easier classes great that's going to give you more capacity in other areas maybe it's your family your friends yourself maybe it's helping other teachers that are struggling in their classes maybe it's helping students that are struggling in their classes so just because the teaching assignment seems as you said easier is going to allow you to have the capacity to do more things when we run out when we put when we pick up a sixth class sometimes people have seven classes, Your capacity is diminished in other areas. So for me, one of my things is um, I want to, I decided this several years ago because I found that like, I didn't have as much energy. I was coming home and playing like tired dad games with my kids. And I wanted to be able to give as much to my own children as I was giving to other people's children. And so when this became important to me, when I realized that I was not giving equal amounts I realized that I had to diminish my capacity at school and increase my capacity at home. But there's only so much capacity so that I couldn't stay at school till six and seven o'clock at night, come home and play tired dad games with my kids right before they went to bed. I wanted to start leaving at like school was done at, let's say it was done at three. I was out by three 30 coming home, getting home by closer to four and having many hours together with my children. And so that is, so by, I, when you think that something's just easier and you're feeling guilty, don't, because it's going to, it's going to increase your capacity to give in other areas. Or even if it's even if it's just increasing your capacity to give to those classes and make those classes awesome, then that's cool too. There is a thing that teachers do. I'm not saying you're doing this, but it's something for everyone to be mindful of. There is a, a is like a fetishizing, if I can't even say that word right, fetish side, People, there's a fetish that teachers have, where they love this idea of, of like who's the most tired? My gosh, I'm so tired. I am. I've just been giving my. I've been greeting all the time. I'm giving my all. These kids. I've been staying late. I've been staying till after the sun sets every night. I'm the last one out of the building every day. I'm the first one in the building every day. And that's, dude. If that's your jam. And you're first in, last out. awesome. But only if it makes you feel great. If you don't feel great about that, then you're being led around by someone else. So I have been the first in the building, last out of the building person for many, many years. I've been the person that picked up the extra classes and did all the extra stuff, ran myself ragged. But I think that for me, that really should, that's like a, a first year teacher game. That's that is if you are an established teacher, you should not be running yourself ragged, you should get better at what you're doing. Um, and look, new teachers sometimes you just you're gonna be tired, you're gonna feel like thin, um, as Bilbo Baggins says, like butter scraped over too much bread. But it is, um, but like as you get better at what you're doing, you should get better. Your first marathon should crush you, right? You should be tired at the end of it. But if you run many, many, many marathons, those are the folks that aren't crawling over the finish line. They're the folks that finish and they're like, oh, man, like they can just still go to IHOP afterwards or wherever the heck you go after a marathon. So, yeah. So don't feel guilty. Like rock that thing. Let it be awesome.
1: All right. Our next co- uh, question comes from Summer. She's asking teaching in Texas is getting crazy stressful with new laws and the heat is insane. 112 today. Uh, my husband and I are thinking of moving to PA. Uh, How's teaching there and the cost of living? I,
0: this is a great question. So um, oh man. this is fascinating. Uh, I would say the cost of living here is insane. Um, but, but I'm in New Jersey. Philadelphia is very very expensive. Uh, Pennsylvania, not not as bad, right? So, but you're gonna have to move. Like, um, there's really beautiful places like out in like York, PA. There's uh, like Letter Classroom lives out there, and like where she lives is like bonkers beautiful. Um, so there's like there, there's there's really great spots out there. But I will say that I feel like the the cost of living for food and things of that nature is much more expensive. Like her mom lives in New Mexico. uh, So don't say the town uh, because it's too small, (laughs) but uh, it's like Eastern New Mexico right on the Texas border. And it's her cost of living is mind-blowingly less than ours. So
1: PA in comparison to New Jersey is lower. New Jersey is incredibly high. Um, PA is lower, but I still think like, like your, your groceries is still going to be higher than it would be out in like New Mexico yeah. where my mom lives, stuff like that. But, uh, in comparison to like homes, I do think, but the more land you go, like the, I guess it's West, West, yeah. Pe- Western Pennsylvania, yeah. I think like that you're going to pay more because you have more space. So the car, co- you know, it's all relative, but,
0: yeah. um, because you'll make more money. I mean, but you, You I would say, and let me know if you would argue this, if you're a teacher in Philadelphia and you're making between 70 to $90,000 a year, um, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. If you're single income, you are still living paycheck to paycheck in, in that. And so, which seems crazy. It seems wild. Like when I, I remember one time I told folks that my first year of teaching in Camden, New Jersey, I made $31,000 a year. And I got an email from someone from Oklahoma was that like, dude, I would I wish I made that much money. That would be incredible. And so it's just it's it's relative to kind of where you are. But um
1: but I did see she said like they were looking for somewhere that had four seasons. You'll get four seasons uh in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's and greener.
0: All There's like all kinds of updates. I don't right? know if
1: you get I don't know. Do you get? snow like I feel like snow is something that's been dwindling even here even though we get four seasons I don't know if it's global warming or what it is but that that one's dwindling but you'll at least get fall and spring (laughs)
0: <laughs> I just realized I was looking at the wrong camera. I'm sorry. So everyone's going to be like, why is Ronald? Who's he looking at over there? He's talking to his <laughs> kids. Like, what's going on? Go ahead.
1: Uh, okay. Our next question comes from Jocko asking, I'm an introvert, meaning I get energy from being alone. My energy gets depleted when I'm around people. Needless to say, after after a school day, I'm exhausted. I love my job, but any tips?
0: Yeah. So that's a great question. First of all, why why does Jocko have like the most handsome profile picture You've ever seen. I know, right? right? So anyway, <laughs> I just noticed it. <laughs> but, uh, so I would say, man, that it's it's knowing who you are and then knowing what you need. So here's one of the things. This is another thing we're doing at the boot camp tonight. So I don't want to let all the cats out of the bag for the boot camp folks, but like, because I really am excited to talk about this stuff at length. But in my life, I have a value system, and in that value system, there are seven, to eight things. I think off the top of my head, it is um, for me, it's God. Then it's me. Then it's my family, wife. Then kids. Um, then it's, gosh, what the heck was it? Uh, but it's my my health, right? So like mental, physical, and emotional health. Then it's my work, and then on and on and on and on. So when I did this, when I this is a mentor walking me through this pra- this practice, when I did this, I had to then say like, well, if God is my number one thing what am i doing in my life that supports that ideal what am i doing in my life to support the idea that my wife and my family come first um and the reason you know my wife is first over my kids is my wife does not benefit from an overflow of love that i have for my kids it just doesn't happen but my kids absolutely benefit from an overflow of love that i have for my wife so when we're when we're on the same page when we're vibing then my kids just live a better existence. But if we are not getting along, my kids live a less than ideal existence. And so that is super important to me. So then what does me being important look like in my week, in my day, in my year? What is my wife and I's relationship? What are things that we do to keep this relationship healthy? And so if you are someone that, like, so if you're introverted, if you need energy from being alone, It's literally becoming a master of your calendar, writing down the things that fill you up, that invigorate you, and then putting them on the calendar. Don't just get to them when you can get to them, but it's, I need to leave school by this time every day. I need to go to bed by this time every night. I need to have, what are the things that you're doing when you're alone that fill you back up, right? Not just things that help you to rest, although that's important because look, sometimes, you know, a drink, uh, with a friend or um just laying on the couch and watching Netflix that helps but like what are things that are going to reinvigorate you right that aren't we're not just trying to keep the flames going with what's in fire already like what's pouring gasoline on that um so thinking about that for you that brings you like that brings you joy so for me some of those things are um that keep that make me uh keep me balanced right i'm wildly extroverted is making sure that i go out with friends on fridays it's going out with my wife every friday night and we go out to somewhere social that we can hang out with people um it is planning um it's like planning things for myself like going to the gym right i don't work out i could work out i could do my workout alone at home especially the workout that i've been doing lately but i like going to the gym i like being around people i like the energy of all of that so it's looking at those things that are going to fill you up that are going to make you excited and that and, and re, like rejuvenate you so that you can go back to work but it's absolutely putting them on the calendar you can't just go well you know I'll I'll do it one day this week if you make it wednesday is the day you do the thing what happens is you end up building rhythms in your life where then once you build the rhythm, it's like, it's harder to break and it's easier to make something a habit.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Thanks. Um, sorry for my Thanks delayed for <laughs> <Thanks> for <laughs> response.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, Kelson is up next asking, hey there, question. Do you have any non-corny icebreakers for high school freshmen on a first day of school? Something that fits into about 20 minutes.
0: So I, I don't. Um, and here's why I don't do icebreakers. Um, because I, part of it is because I find that it is difficult for introverted kids. So, right. Like, so like young jockos of the world, uh, I just see that they hate it. There's not an easy way to, to ease them in. And I don't want to like, I don't want to make them go out on the dance floor and dance when they don't want to dance. When they're like, I feel I'm enjoying myself standing against the wall, drinking punch, and I'm good with that. So that's why I don't do it. But I know that my idea is not the only good idea. So I'm I'm going to throw this one out to y'all that are talking to one another in the comment section. What is a good icebreaker that you have? Or could you reach out to Kelson and like send him an email or, or a Facebook message or something that is going to help him out? Um, because I think that they can be really great. There's tons of group activities I do during the year, but in the beginning of the year, because, and he, let me explain my scenario. I teach ninth grade English, um, where well, I was, and in, it, as, at a charter school in West Philadelphia, which means that kids from all over the city came there. So there were kids that came from our middle school that only made up about 50% of the students that were in my class. The other 50% of the students likely had no idea, didn't know anyone else, didn't know the building, didn't know the neighborhood. And so this was so new to them that I didn't want to, I didn't want to exacerbate kids' anxiety on the first day. So that's why I don't do things like that. Um, but I'm certain that other people do. So I would love if anyone could uh, find Kelson on there, leave, or just put Kelson first and then say, "I have a idea. I'll email it to you." Or here's my idea in the comment section. That would be really wonderful.
1: So my question would be to you. So what do you do on the first day of school that builds that community or arm wrestle? Stop it. No,
0: I just made that up. So uh, first day of school is more about me. So I write, so it's, I make it super like palatable for all students. One, it's, I'm telling you how much I love teaching I'm telling you how much I love this class. I'm telling you how glad I am that you're here. And I'm telling you that you won the lottery because I will care for you. And I'm trying to make this the greatest class of your year, even if you hate English. And even if you hate it, I'm telling you it's going to suck less than you think it's going to. (laughs) The next thing I do is have kids write themselves a letter because it's a thing that you can do. That's quiet. That's just in front of you and that you don't have. So this is, these are letters that I write to kids write to themselves and I give them back at graduation. This is, a thing that lets you be quiet in the classroom, lets you be in the space, lets you see how things vibe. And it's not this like overextending of you in the whole day. Second day, I talk about how great the year is going to be again. But the second time, this time I go over the syllabus and I show pictures of things that we're going to do this year and talk more in depth about activities and stuff like that. Um, And then I introduce the life map.
1: I was going to say, isn't that that's the life odyssey? The
0: life odyssey. Yeah, the life odyssey. So then I give my life odyssey that day. If we have enough time, then the third day we start working on life odysseys. That's ah. going to be the first thing that kids present in class and share. And then that's a jump off point.
1: And I you. think that that is what is the key. That's the key in your classroom that builds community, right? Because you get to learn so much about each other, like in a fast track. insane
0: kind of amount of stuff in a very short So I think
1: you skip icebreakers because you do that project, which still... Yes. <clears throat> kind of gives it's the a, same. It
0: still breaks the ice. Yeah. And helps kids connect. Cause so what if you don't know, um, and this is going to be a free resource that's coming out soon. Um, and if you were in our boot camp, it was uh it was absolutely a part of, of what we were doing. The life odyssey is 10 moments between birth and now that made you into the human being that you are today. Right. So Kids uh, create a very simple Google slide. I create my own. I share it with them, and then kids present. And you will know more about your students than anybody else in the building, hands down. Someone could have taught those kids four times already. You're going to know more about them if if you do this. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's a little over exaggeration, but don't let the truth get in the way of a good story.
1: (laughs) That's not true. You really, I think it's an awesome activity. Um, Okay. Keys teacher is asking, how do you handle sharing slash not sharing your personal life with your students, with the students? I teach high school and they ask a lot of personal questions.
0: Uh, I decide what's what's relevant. So I, I do share a lot. Um, But in what I share, what I want kids to do is be seen a lot of times. And so I share struggles because, you know, if, if you don't share anything, kids just think that like you live at school and like for fun you grade. And like, you know, if you're a music teacher, I'm, I'm assuming you just play piano all the time. That's all you do. You don't really leave the house or go anywhere. <laughs> you don't have any friends, never had your heart broken. You're not married. You don't have kids. You don't have any hobbies. You don't go to target. Like it's, but I find when I share with my students, things that I do, it makes me more of a real person. And so my kids, and part of this is the life odyssey, right? So I, in the life odyssey, I tell the students like, you know um, the first thing I tell them is that I was born when I was born and what my birthday is. And they think that's like the the oldest thing. I had a kid uh, a couple of years ago, I was born in 1976. And this kid goes, wait a minute. Isn't that when the declaration of independence was written? No, no. You just failed for the year, by the way. <laughs> it's not when the declaration, ended. that was 200 years before I was born on the bicentennial 200th birthday of our great country. And so um that is so, but then the next thing I tell them is that my dad died. Um, from a brain tumor when he was 29, I was four years old. And so what I want kids to know is that I didn't like, you can look at me and think of how happy I am or like, or excited or silly or like whatever, um, possibly annoying, but I am trying to become human to my students Because when you share stuff with your kids, they will then share stuff with you. And when kids share stuff with you, you're going to get two byproducts out of this. This isn't just about being nosy or gossipy or like, you know, whatever. This is about finding out what's going on in your students' lives so that you can help meet those needs. And if you can't meet those needs, you can get them connected with someone in the building that can meet those needs. Because if a student's suffering from depression or trauma or anything else, they're like, they're in Maslow's hierarchy, they're not getting those base needs met, so they're never going to get to a higher place. The second thing you're doing is learning more about your students. And when we become students of our students, when we learn what our kids like, we can then turn that into things that we can connect to our lessons and create things that are engaging and that are relevant to our students. So I think sharing what you are go- have going on is incredibly important. Now, look, you want to be careful because there are some people that overshare. There are people that talk about, you know, girlfriends drive me nuts man or like my wife you know she's just she's crazy like so crazy all the time and what i want to do is share things that i think are either useful and helpful and show me as a vulnerable human being or things that talk about how great life can be like i want my students to have great lives not just great jobs and great test scores i want you to live a life that you that you like that you imagine it could be and i feel like i should be an example of that right um And so I want to share with my students what I do with my kids, what I do, what my wife and I, yo, it's Friday night, y'all, you know, it's date night, like we're going to our favorite spot, Max's, um, and getting oysters or whatever we're doing. And it's talking about those things too, just makes you come alive.
1: I have a question for you, like a follow up on that, please. What do you do if I imagine high school students as a teacher, if you're not married, whether male or female will ask things like, what's your sexual orientation? Like, are you, are you gay? Are you married? Are you like, cause that's such a nosy question and such a, like a, a hot topic anymore. Like people want to know that. How would you, how would you answer that? Um, like if you're not married, right. It's clear you have a wife, you have a wedding ring on like those sort of things. They're going to see all that. But if you don't have a wedding ring on and you're not married, well, just like, to have a
0: wedding ring on doesn't mean I'm married wow. to my wife, but, um, I it <laughs> is, I don't, I choose not to share that stuff because I don't to you, me. And look, this is a personal choice because look, if I, if I was struggling with my identity and someone could help me navigate that space, right? Like I don't know that might be that might be a different conversation, however, we want to be careful because you know there's I'm also not trying to get kids to buy into what my belief systems sure. are, right like but so, that's that to me seems that's really personal of like of a
1: that seems like a question that a high school student would ask somebody, but it seems really personal to me, yeah I, I like yeah that, that one would trip me up
0: if I was a teacher. <laughs> I don't think I would talk about that at all. Um, but that's a that's a me choice, and so. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I, I really put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think this is a really important question, and it's definitely something I've I've had conversations with students about that are older, and but it's like what I do is I relate when I'm I relate my life when a student is going through something. I love to find a place that's a connection point for me. And so if I have advice, I first of all, I believe that your attention is far more important than your advice. So just like, right. it's like when you go to therapy, the therapist doesn't talk the whole time. They talk right. like 10% of the time yeah. tops, right? And although I'm not a therapist, I try and, I try to activate that same thing and create a safe space for kids to talk about who they are and what they're going through. But if I have a connection point that I think is going to help unlock something for a student or make them feel like they're not alone, I will share that. But to me sexuality is like, I I don't know that I've ever, I'd really have to think about it. I don't know that I've ever like had a moment where that seemed relevant. That seemed like something that I would have to share or need to share or was going to help a kid out. Um, But I don't know. But if you're a part of like the Gay Straight Alliance or something like that, maybe those things come up in those spaces. But it's also something that you want to be careful about because, look, I, I just know that kids... I don't like, you don't, you don't want to make it so that you're open to something, right? Like, like kids will, they start getting googly eyes for you and stuff like that. And it's like, (laughs) when you start talking about certain topics, I just don't want to open the door to anything that would be. Yeah. I think I'm asking more in
1: a way, not like if you have a connection with a student and they're like confiding in you and then that there's a potential for like helping them there, but more of just, Students are nosy, and they're just going to ask you all kinds of random crap on the first day of school or in the first week of school.
0: Yeah, no, you would th- just no, deny. No, because I'll tell you this: I wouldn't do that with a friend. Like, I wouldn't go to a Bible study and tell anyone that. Right? Like, I wouldn't like first day. It's like, yo, let's jump in. What are y'all into? Tell me your t- tell me your most close and personal like secrets as a human being, or your be as vulnerable as possible. To me in my life, y'all got to earn that. Like, yeah. like I'm, mm-hmm. I keep my circle tight and I share things with my circle, but I don't just share that information with anyone. Cause it's important, right? That's yeah. in, that's in my vault. And so just not, every, no one gets the key to my vault and unless I give it to you yeah. and I want to be careful who I share that with. And so with mm-hmm. regards to that, that's kind of how I'm okay. thinking about that. Just Ask him. That's a way big conversation right there. I know.
1: Sorry. I really (laughs) jumped in on that one. I hope
0: hope that helps somebody.
1: Um, Okay. Robert uh, is asking, Hey Reynolds, have you discovered any new cool apps for teachers to use?
0: So um, this is another tricky one for me, Robert, because I am at such a, I've only ever taught at like such analog schools that it, you know, until I didn't have a smart board ever. First of all, I didn't even have a projector back in the day. I used to put my slides on giant pieces of like poster board paper with fat crayon. And that's how I would have slides. <laughs> then um, I got a projector. Then I never had a smart board until I got my own. Like, So I did a brand deal with Samsung and then I got a smart board to bring in my classroom. So. um I think it was the first one I had. No, it so, wasn't.
1: You had a Promethean board oh, like the year right. before or maybe two years before, but with no training. So nobody knew how to use yeah. them oh, in the, yeah. school, the school. And nobody used them, even yeah. though they had a bunch of The school
0: of them. did the, uh, they made the purchase for Promethean boards. I That's a whole nother story of how I kind of <laughs> snuck one into my classroom. But um, they didn't okay. want to, they didn't want to spring for the training. So no one knew how to use a Promethean board and there weren't any videos online. So we were all kind of screwed. So anyway, um, so I have been so analog and my st- classes until like my last year, I think it was my last year in, as an educator, in the classroom, we were not one-to-one. So it was like, and you know, when you get the, when, when you teach in like a, uh, in like tricky school, when, look, I'm gonna tell you like this, when you teach in a lot of times title one schools, um, they have like one cart, for the computers. And when you get them to come to your room, they're missing like half the keys and stuff like that, or they're not charged or whatever. So it's not even worth getting it. So um, it's like, so th- I just have stayed away from that stuff. But uh, I, there's another question I'm going to throw to the audience or to the community here in the chat. What are y'all using? Like what's a great new app? that not everyone's onto because we all know that when something gets too popular, everybody starts using it. And it went from like Kahoot was like the jam and everyone loved it to, and kids were all excited when you did it. And now they're like another Kahoot, come on Reynolds. Like, why are we doing this? So I'm curious what people are using now. I used a lot of stuff during during COVID because I had to, because it was the only way to kind of do it because I was teaching virtually, but um, yeah, I'm curious what people are saying.
1: Mm, uh, Padlet, Gimkit. Gim- yeah, Padlet. Yep. Gimkit. Gimkit. Yeah. Um, quizzes with new enhancements, Quizlet, yeah. uh, which you know some of those. I like do. And vocabulary, all yeah. that
0: stuff. But it's those are ones, even some of those, I'd say mm-hmm. this, Robert. Um, I try and find new ways to, to use them. So when we do Kahoot, I try and find new ways to use Kahoot. Like I don't use Kahoot music, I think it's the worst music in the world. So instead, I like play my own music behind Kahoot. Um, and I just do a lot, but a bunch Somebody of
1: similar. Uh, Look it. Magic. Yeah. What's magic school. AI uh, sounds awesome. Yeah. It sounds fun. I don't even know anything about that one.
0: We need to find that one out. So cool. So uh, just keep putting them in there, Robert. You can grab all those and then there you have it, buddy.
1: All right. Uh, Travis is up next asking, I'm a few years out of college and still haven't found a teaching job. High school social studies in in Illinois. Uh, I've been working as a para. I'm happy to be working in education, but would like to teach.
0: That's a great question. So, Travis, I think, you know, unfortunately, social studies and English teachers were a dime a dozen. Right. There's a million folks that have that. I would say having your foot in the door as a para is really incredibly important, especially if that's a school you could see yourself being at. I think Steve Martin had it right. Steve Martin, the comedian, um, someone asked him, like, what's your secret? Like, what what can someone do if they want to be discovered in comedy? And his answer was, be so good that they can't ignore you. And so if I am a parrot and I'm in a school, I am trying to connect with all the people that I can connect with teachers, connect with administrators, connect with students, connect with their parents. Become an undeniable resource to the school. So, am I donating my time? Am I showing up and going the extra mile? Am I um, helping kids out? Am I getting results? Am I do so? Some of that is going to be not just looking at your pedagogy, but looking at your personality. Am I becoming? Who do I need to become to be the person that they would hire? So, thinking about. What do they need in the school? Who would they hire? What did the personnel? What are the personality traits? What's the work ethic? Who who is that person? And then filling in the gaps and growing into the person I need to be to be to be hired by a school. And I heard this um, a few years ago. I got this idea, like this idea was kind of solidified for me. But someone used it a different way. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and this guy was talking about the fact that like he wanted to get married one day. But then when he looked at his life, he's like, my life didn't look like a life that anyone would want to marry into. Like I had super irregular hours. My house looked like a bachelor pad. My car was like a bachelor's car. Like I just didn't live a life that someone would look at me and go, Oh, this is someone I want to marry. So instead what they did was they started designing their life to be this thing. That was something that's like, it was a life that would, that was felt good to them also, but would be attractive to someone. So like, they started preparing their house. Like I'm going to live here with someone one day. It was preparing, like getting their hours in such a way where it's like, I don't stay up to four o'clock in the morning and wake up at one in the afternoon. I'm going to have this life where like I can live with someone. And then when you start doing those things, I think that you start becoming, growing into that person. And if you can do that while, while helping and serving other people, being the best version of yourself, you become undeniable. You become so good that they can't ignore you. So it's like, how do you, how do you become the best social studies teacher? So like, I'd be like thinking about those lessons now, those lesson plans now, how am I connecting with parents? How am I finding every student? So like, you know, whether it's like workshops that we put on or something someone else does, it's going to the workshops, going to the trainings, reading all of the books, um, becoming the person you need to be to do the work, to be the best teacher ever. And then when you get the job, right? You will be ready for the opportunity, and so because you are you planned behind, it's like, um, it's the only example I can think of is going to be outdated. It's like in Rocky Three when B. A. Baracus was ready to take over the title from Rocky because he had trained behind the scenes. No one saw it coming, but when he got his opportunity, he was ready for that for that fight.
1: All right. There um, are several
0: people that were like, "Is he talking about Creed?" No, <laughs> talk about the predecessor. I started uh, watching Creed I've three on the airplane the other night too, man. Who, I got to finish that, that jam.
1: You know me. I don't like, what movie you, is that? Yeah. I don't pay attention. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miss Gonzalez. Miss <laughs> Gonzalez is up asking. Uh, oh, hello. We had PD this week specific to fine arts. It was about meditation and how to make your body work for you. Posture, breathing, etc. I thought it was a good PD. Um, and I think things in it were beneficial and necessary for students. However, I don't really know if I, if, uh, how I would fit it in due to time, but also I don't really feel qualified to teach those things. Any suggestions? I would do it.
0: So I, and look, this is like, let's just, I'll break it down for you. Um, there are things every year that sound great in theory, but in practice, where am I fitting this in? Right. Gonzalez, I've seen your classroom, right? And although it's a great classroom, you—you you and I have talked about like the logistics of actually getting around. You have thirty-one to thirty-two kids learning art, and not all of them even want to learn art. What if you start introducing yoga and breathing practices and all that stuff, and they don't want to learn that either? Now I can't even get to the art part because I lost you because we were doing yoga first, and now I can't even get to that. So I think that. Sometimes these professional developments come up and they are a really great idea in the ideal situation. But I would use those practices more for myself if you felt like they worked for you. And then when students are going through something, I'd have them in my pocket and ready to share it. So like my friend Dr. Keisha, I did a, uh, I did a video with her a little while ago um, where we were talking about like things like secondary trauma, and she walked everyone through this breathing practice that if you go and watch that video, it is worth just watching that section. It will it will transform you because one of the things she talked about is why is it important to have breathing practices when you are going through, when something horrible happens, when you're overexcited, when you're overextended, when you're in the middle of a horrible day of school, what is a very simple breathing practice that's going to bring you back? And she talks about this idea because she says, when you are in that level of, and I forget what she called it, when you're in that level of like your your brain is in this place where it's kind of frazzled and you're like ah you cannot make rational decisions your brain won't let you so we try to do that but then we make mistakes we make we 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 do things that we shouldn't have done and so by just simply learning how to control your breathing you can bring yourself back to a state where now you can make a rational decision and so I think those things are important, but I think they should be tools in the toolkit and not something that we're doing every single day in class with students or even every week with students, unless it's needed, right? Like, unless you have a moment where you're you're like, you know what, y'all, we need to like, we need to do a breathing exercise right now because we're a little too hyped. So here's what we're going to do. And we shift the lights and we shift the music and we shift the breathing. And then we can enter into the next thing that we're going to do. I think that's that's wonderful. But sometimes it's like, you know, uh, I don't know. It's like when we find out something that's great for you to do, just because exercise is good for you to do doesn't mean you should do it every single day. Right. It's just like it's finding a place for that in your classes rhythm to introduce that. And that that's how I would do that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, you need one more, like, that's not what you were hired to do. You're hired to teach art, like, yeah. teach art. And then if you need those, like, yeah, it's like in your back pocket, especially if toolbox. the school
0: can't walk you through how to do that. So it's like when schools they are
1: not creating the time for you to do that, to yeah. just put another. And that thing was on my question plate, last year, right? Crazy.
0: When they would say, we need you to do this. And then you're going to do this. And then you're going to do this. And so many things were piled. Like, and when? I remember asking a professional development, could you please Show us, like I'm not even denying that we could do this, right? I'm entering into this with curiosity, like most things. I am curious, could someone show us a schedule where you are realistically getting all of these items done? Because I am having a little bit of a hard time envisioning during school business hours, contracted hours, Mm -hmm. when I'm getting this done. Don't bank. Admin should not bank that I'm working on non-contracted hours. I can do that if I want to but you shouldn't bank right on that. So in those seven and a half hours, I'm required to be here. How am I getting all of these things finished? I, and I, if they can't do it, then we need to reassess. Yeah. Because like I said before, there's only so much capacity. And when yes. we try and squish more in, even if it's more greatness, y'all know, like if you've ever been to Disney world, we learned we've <laughs> taken our kids to Disney once, right? We went for like five days or something like that. And we realized the next time that we go, you have to build a break day in there, at least one. And if you're driving down, you should drive down break day, then rocks and parks, break day then rock some parts mm-hmm. because you need rest in there otherwise you're squishing in so much fun that you're not having fun anymore yeah it's like you're you're why am I arguing with you in the middle of the magic kingdom because it's one o'clock in the morning and we stayed at the late night and we're we all look like zombies and we're like shut up just
1: get on the ride get on the ride we're having fun that did not happen we actually had a really great we night when we did the late night we
0: did but <laughs> but we but, slept
1: in early and weren't at the
0: gate slept in late came yeah. back to the place took naps It's important to pull that in. Too much of anything is just like... But I do want to say good
1: for your school for having a PD that like you, the teachers themselves can learn some tactics and tools. So I think that's great. Amen. Um, Okay, John Fox is asking, have you known teachers who switched careers by pursuing a new master's degree while also working full-time? How to make this work or would you not recommend this approach?
0: Uh, You know, John, I think it depends on... I have, I've known people that have done that. Um, And even myself, like I I never went back for my master's because I started teaching late and then I had kids and then I started a business. And working and having a business and having children is very demanding. I think it can be done. I think you have to become a master of your calendar, one, and you have to know what your own limits and capacity are. So I know for me that I have a very rhythmic life that allows me to get most things done. I also know that there are times when I have to sprint, when I get less sleep, when I have more work, when I have no days off, when I don't get to take like a Sabbath, when I like this week, I didn't have date night because I was doing the boot camp. But I know that in advance and I know what my limits are. I know that feeling that comes to me when my body starts feeling a certain way and I'm like, all right, I know I need to rest. Part of, with the exception of getting, I did get COVID, with the exception of COVID, before, Other than that, I have not been sick in like 14 years, I think 13 years, not sick before that there was a good decade before I was sick because, and I accredit that mostly to when I start feeling that coming, I take steps to, to, I get a lot of sleep. When I start feeling myself, like not feeling a hundred percent, I get a lot of sleep. I Will, whether it works or not, I digest a lot of vitamin C, these big, giant, disgusting chalk tablets. I take showers. I go to the sauna. I like sweat it out. I do things that are going to allow my body to heal. And so, if you're thinking about doing a master's program, I think it's doable. But remember, there's only so much capacity. So, that means it's going to have to take some from my school teaching capacity, right? Which is okay. But you're going to have to find ways to like delegate some of those things to, find hacks to getting grading done and things of that nature. Um, and then I just find that if I have a very, very strict schedule, I heard the other day there's a guy I was listening to that breaks his day into 15-minute segments the whole day and then sticks to it. And so you can fit a lot of stuff on your calendar if you sleep eight hours and now you still have, you know, whatever that eight hours, uh, like – 24 minus eight, you have all that time left. Why am I not doing that math? Because I teach English and I can't think of it right now. And it's weird. So you have that, all those hours left. Um, If I divide them into 15 minute increments or even hour long increments, I can get a whole lot more done in a day than I think I can because I'm being intentional with my time. Sorry. (laughs) You got it. I see you you over there commenting. It's hard. I thought I was going to bust out a song real quick. Uh,
1: No. Um, Summer Hayward is up next, but yeah. we kind of answered this already. So I don't know if you want to go over it again. It says, uh, I'm going to are... leave
0: the icebreakers for the people in the crowd.
1: <laughs> well, she's asking what are good alternatives to being to the I... beginning of the first year of high school, like alternatives T- to be honest. It's your life odyssey life map thing. Life like odyssey that's
0: what you do is the jam. And then I like jumping right into work summer. I'd rather do. I, j- I jump. In... So as soon as we are done, the, the life odyssey, I jump right into the first book. And the reason I do that is because I wanna start in creating a rhythm. If, so I, here's, what, here's what I would I would implore people to, to think about. You need to have a why for everything you do in your classroom. So if you're doing an icebreaker, it's really thinking about what's the why behind that? Why am I doing oh, an icebreaker? I was looking at the wrong camera again, sorry. Oh, so sorry, um, I the, if I need to know why I'm doing an icebreaker. And so if I'm creating an icebreaker so that students get to know one another, so they feel more familiar with themselves and with me, so that we can introduce fun into the classroom. I'm trying to do that in all of my lessons anyway. So if that's my goal, then um, I try to do that in my lessons right from the jump. So like by the second week of school, we are full tilt into the middle of an actual lesson. And then I'm going to have all these fun ideas and activities that are little mini things that we can do that we're going to start building that fun up, chipping away that ice and, uh, and creating a classroom community, like from the jump. So that's, that's kind of what I do. It's
1: interesting. You just completely like negate. You're just like, nope, we don't even do icebreakers. No,
0: I don't do like long syllabus reading and stuff like that. Like when yeah. Cho has a kid's read her 12 page freaking syllabus. I saw
1: her syllabus one time. I was like, yo, that's so boring.
0: And she's like, hell no. I of course I do. That's of course what I do. She sounds like Randy the Macho Man, uh, savage. She's just I, like, I
1: do love, of course, those. that's what we do. Not uh, playing, okay. Um, I, I really show. hope I don't botch your name. Go ahead, help me out. Are we both on a loss? Nadula, Nadula.
0: So, here's the problem, uh, here we are both undiagnosed dyslexics, and when there's too many vowels involved in any word, we're just like, we can't spell them. I literally uh, and have, so I hate that. Like, I literally, so. Let me. Here's quick teaching tip. Wait.
1: Here's my favorite app. Is it's called Pronouns. and I literally, it's so easy. I don't even know if you can see that. Yeah. You can't. Oh, now it's giving me a rating. Um, you just. It's so not simple. pronouns.
0: Pronounce. There you, you literally so just
1: that. put in any word, name, whatever, and then it'll help you pronounce it. It. I use That's it a, so often. Go. Robert
0: Batch. That is an educational <laughs> app that I would use. Yes. Um, because I, and really quick, I want to answer this question, yeah. but I just think it's so important. Not learning a student's real name. So um, our w- the woman that's helping with us with our social media right now, her name looks like Gabrielle, but it's really Gabrielle. And she was talking about when she was growing up, we were asking her about it. And she said, it just hurt every time. Like teachers mm-hmm. should know her name by now. She had a boyfriend once that said her name wrong all the time, called her Gabrielle. And so <laughs> it's, I just think that it's, it is, So important for kids, especially if they have a name that they know teachers are going to problem. There's a pretty good chance take like on your seating chart, phonetically spell that name out so that every day you keep trying to let that kid know that they are that important to you that you want to get their name right. So that. There's a whole question we answered that didn't get asked, but yeah,
1: pronouns, pronouns is like saves my life, and I so use it anyway. A lot. All right,
0: let's hit this
1: question. Essie, uh, I was so distracted with parent uh, with parent care the past two weeks that I missed a sign up for the boot camp. Took a year off for that purpose, but going back this year, am I able to sign up to view the replay? So
0: I think this is something we're going to create, yes, um, because we've so here <laughs> and here's the first reason why when we put out the boot camp when I put out the trailer video on YouTube for the boot camp. So for those of you that don't know, we just tonight's the last night we did a back to school boot camp where we talked about um went super in depth on things like classroom management, student engagement was another night, building relationships. And tonight it is um
1: self-care.
0: Tonight's self-care, uh delegating and boundaries, right? And who oh, man, that's gonna be it's gonna be I'm I am excited about what we're talking about tonight. So but we it, it put down July and someone's comment was that he goes, I think his comment was literally, uh, bro, I love, bro. I love you. And I know you're doing the Lord's work, but it's July. And so, but the thing is he's on the East coast. Yeah. If you're in the Southwest or down South, like I have buddies that are already in school in Philly. We don't go back to school after labor day. So I get it, but it was, we were trying to get people on the front end to make sure that they were prepared. So yes. Um, this week, I have to I have to get the videos ready and find a way that I'm going to be able to deliver them. It's always figuring but
1: out the tech.
0: It's figuring I'm telling out the tech. You, it's but tech, by tech, the tech, end tech. of this week, by Sunday night teacher talk next week, I want to be able to have that stuff ready. If you need it before then, please hit me up. If anyone's interested in that, hit me up. And that all that's going to do is motivate me to focus on that even more to make sure that I can get it to you. Yeah. And even if school already started, even if you're a week or two in, this is something that I I've created that is still going to to bless you. We also have to come up with a price point because VIP folks had like group mentoring, they had live Q and A every night and stuff like that. Um, So when we do this next package, it's gonna be the videos. I also have a bonus video in there and it's gonna be resources for that for a different price point.
1: All right. Uh, Ashley is up next asking, I saw your video about how you teach vocabulary. Yeah. I also teach ninth grade lit. How do you teach vocabulary that you find in a text versus literary items?
0: So um, I can give you, man, this is a big question. Uh, we could probably do a whole workshop on this. I'll do a, a couple of brief examples. So when I'm doing vocabulary, I am there's if I'm working on vocabulary that's in a book, right? So for me, it's literature. So if I'm reading Lord of the Flies, I'm reading Shakespeare, or reading whatever it is, I am pulling words from that text. I used to do SAT words, but I found that it was so much more difficult because it didn't show up in the text, and so they were just like these words that kids were learning. And so, I, I think that's still a good idea, but that's just what I chose not to do. I do five words a week and then they build, then the next week you get five more. The reason for that is I want to go really heavy, deep and real on five words. Cause I don't want kids to remember words for a week. And then the next week it's just like, they just, their brain just pooped them out. I want them to hold on to those things and really learn them and hold, and see them during the year and use them during the year and have them show up in journal entries and things like that. So we go super deep. So I, the way that I do that is, and this is the very simplified version of this, on Mondays, they get new words. I connect them with a sentence and I connect them to something that kids care about. My examples are always something kids care about, whether it's Marvel or Manga or whatever I've learned about my students, I use that as an example. On Tuesday, we do uh, we go over those words again in a number of different ways, but the 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 exciting part of that is we do a quiz um, where kids have note cards on their desk with all the words and definitions on them. And we throw up different memes or GIFs that students have to figure out which word am I referring to based on the meme or GIF that's up there. The third thing I do is the most exciting day of the week. We do Music Wednesday where students have to uh, we will play a music video and you're either listening for something that's in the song or you are looking for something that's being acted out in the music video. And you have to pick that. And those are not always cool songs. I'm not sitting over here doing doing Drake and Lil Uzi and Lil Yachty and and Lil everybody else, I am doing stuff that is, it could be, um, in the boot camp this week, I was talking about that Lamb Chop song, like this is the song that never ends, Um, I could be doing Third Eye Blind, I could be doing Queen, I could be doing Slayer, I could be doing uh, Naughty by Nature, it is all over the place, right, so I'm not just looking for cool jams, I'm looking for jams that work, but you'll be wildly surprised how many kids love that. I do not play the whole song. I play clips of songs so that just until a kid gets to an answer, we stop the song, we move on to the next one. Um Thursdays, I'm going to forget. Oh, Thursdays were uh, fill in the blank in the sentence. So we put a sentence up and it's always sentences that are relevant to this year. It's this the only work I have to do each week to redo the, the vocab, but it's, um, I write sentences about kids in class, about things that happen in school that week. And the kids have to fit the word in. And that's entertaining also because kids love when they see their name or they're like, oh, snap, that did happen at lunch when this thing happened or <laughs> someone slipped on some milk or whatever. And uh, that's super fun. And then Fridays, we do um, an assessment every single Friday that uh, and I could go, gosh, I'm really holding back a thousand extra things I do there. When I'm doing something that's in a book, so if I'm going over simile, metaphor, imagery, I try to create small learning experiences that are really going to bring, help students understand what something is. So simile and metaphor, I call on music. I connect music that students like, or I connect music that students would know to simile and metaphor. When I do things like, um, gosh, like a soliloquy, I show clips from a movie where someone does a soliloquy. When I do a side for Shakespeare, I show kids clips from either Malcolm in the Middle or Saved by the Bell, right? So I'm constantly bringing in pop culture to show not just how Shakespeare did it, but how Shakespeare like like was the example for all these other shows. So Bernie Mac has a soliloquy at the end, at the beginning of every Bernie Mac show. And so it's bringing in things like that that kind of are going to make it come alive but make it fun studies have been shown that if we can make things funny or fun for students it helps them to remember them more so if i'm doing an aside and i can connect it to um not daredevil to deadpool kids are like oh snap oh i know what that is it's the deadpool thing and then i that's one of the ways that we connect to those things
1: all right, we're going to do two more questions. Cool. Um, Silvio is asking, first, your teacher here and was wondering how you incorporate technology into a seventh, eighth grade ELA yeah. class in college, university, English, lit, major. We didn't do anything with tech.
0: So I think, Silvio, this is a great question. One of the ways that I would, in, I, I think tech is often used wrong by teachers. I think it's used as a crutch instead of a tool. That I think that we rely too much on technology sometimes. So it's really about thinking, looking at your curriculum, looking at what your school's mission is, and figuring out in what way is technology going to um, going to make this better, not just make it different. So I don't just write. Um, so like whether I'm looking at Google Docs, I'm looking at Chat GPT, I'm looking at. Um, so there's a reason that like I don't do. Um, is it Quizlet? There's a way that you can like basically make digital note cards on your phone or your tablet with students. And I don't do that. And I have kids put make vocab note cards old school on three by five cards for a reason because it works better for my class. I could do it another way. And sometimes when you're getting observed, people love when they're like, you're pulling in all this cool tech and stuff like that. But if it doesn't serve my students, Or if it's not as good as something, like if it's not the best option, I don't do it. So it's really looking at some of the things that you're doing and figuring out that. Also, I think there is a misnomer that students are really good because they grew up with the internet. Mm. Our students are technologically advanced. And I'll tell you this, what our students are advanced at is swiping and tapping. They're not necessarily good at like students don't know how to make a Google Doc students don't know how to make google slides students if you, they do know how to make a slide they don't know how to change things or or you ever see a kid that does a google slide and instead of their when their picture is small when they bring it in instead of pulling it from the corner which makes it proportionately larger they stretch it and all of a sudden it's like what where the hell is this picture from like why is this look frog stretched out like 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 they were made of play doh we just pulled them apart um i think that that is is difficult too. So when we are introducing technology, it's doing so without expectation that our students know. So if you want to use technology, it's also building in the time and the space and for students to grasp what we're doing. Because I think one of the other things that teachers make the mistake of is assuming kids like something, they know something, they're capable of something. And we have to go into the expectation that those, those abilities might be a significantly lower so i have to walk kids through. So we do a lot of Google slide things over the year because because it's easier cuz they don't get lost cuz it saves automatically, because it's easy to use because you're going to be able to use it again and again and again and again in your life. I make Google slides all the time for stuff. And so it is a life skill that i know my students need, so then i take the time to go through a dozen things that are going to make it easier for them to do that. And so just some of the stuff to kind of keep in mind is, as you're doing that and look Silvio let's let me just say this real quick because you're first year teacher what we're talking about on here is going to give you a hundred different ideas right and it can become very very overwhelming look for a thing this year maybe look for two bits of technology that you can introduce because what you want to do is is again looking at your capacity it's something we keep going back to today and and because you'd rather, going to, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, There's a quote that I love that says, a prepared man is better than a prepared sermon. And so if you, and I'd say a prepared teacher is better than a prepared lesson. I'd rather go into school on a 10 and have a lesson plan that's a six than have vice versa, right? You got the best song in the world, but if your voice isn't ready, that song sucks. So it's really... Keep the bar fairly low for yourself this year so you can do great at the things that you're doing and then build on that over time. Instead of signing yourself up or or taking on, we're going to do seven different bits of technology this year. Like we're going to do all this crazy stuff. It's like bring it down so that you can just do great at the stuff you're doing. And over time, you're going to build that up. And even over the year, like what you're, you'll be capable of stuff in May that you were never capable of in September. You got one more?
1: Yes, one more. Do it. Uh, Mr. Bolin is awesome. asking, "Can you plug your mentorship more? Why should people do it when the podcast does an excellent job?" It's a
0: great idea. So uh, I don't talk about this very often, but we do one-on-one mentoring. Um, this year, we're still figuring out the logistics, and we have a lot of things we're cleaning up. Now we're going to start doing group mentoring. We're going to we're going to we're going to make that an experiment first. It's going to be like a beta group of a handful of people um, that won't be as expensive. As one to one mentoring. So you can go on our website at realrapwithreynolds.com and sign up for mentoring. But I find this it is, we have almost 600 videos on YouTube that are free Sunday Night Teacher Talk, free. The podcast, free, which is just Sunday Night Teacher Talk in podcast form because I don't want people to have to use their Wi Fi if they don't need to. Um, More to there, come on that
1: though. Yes. <laughs> there
0: are there's a book that you can get for like, I think it's 1795 right now on Amazon, our book teacher class off It's all kinds of free stuff. What mentoring allows you to do is it's not just, it's not just information, it's ease of use. And so what that, what this does is you can come in and I had, I forget that gentleman's name that I had as a mentor um, who had a list of questions that were very specific to his class. and. We were able to knock out, and I think he had four sessions with me. We knocked out a mind-blowing amount of stuff where it was, because now it's one-to-one. Now you're not looking through 600 videos, which is a lot. You're not looking through the book. You're not listening to all that. We have 233 episodes. That's 233 hours of podcast material. What mentoring does for you is it helps you to get that one-on-one so that you can get things done faster. Malcolm Gladwell says that you need 10,000 hours to become uh, a master at anything, and I think the way that you speed that up is by mentoring. And and I've seen this in my own life. I could read a whole bunch of self-help books or I could go to therapy. I could take a whole bunch of masterminds or go to back to school for my MBA or I could just get a one-on-one mentoring for business, which is something that I've done before. I could take masterminds. I could take classes. That exp- it just makes the learning curve so much it makes you learn so much faster. It takes the time down and gets you the answers you need so that it's immediately applicable the next day. But again, it's something that I don't talk about very often. Um, And I don't know why. I think it's just like when folks find it, when they need it, they get it. But um, yeah, mentoring is awesome. I love doing it. You get one-to-one phone call with me uh, and we talk about anything that you need in your class to make you teach your class off.
1: Yeah, it's specific to to the person in front yeah. of you. So thanks it's for the awesome.
0: question. That's great. So look gang, um, all that stuff exists. I just went through all of it. I don't even have to plug or mm-hmm. let you on, know onto anything. Um, keep your eye out for the back to school boot camp um, replay that will hopefully come out this week and we'll push that. Please shoot us an email, a DM or a message if you think that that's something that would be of use to you. Um, anything else, love?
1: I don't think so. Not right now.
0: Cool. We uh, We have there was a lot coming there's up. A we'll, lot. we'll talk about it soon. Um and with that coded messaging, we'll see you next week, gang. Peace. Oh, it didn't work. Oh hi, yeah, do it again. Ready? What
1: do I have to do? Peace.